Hey friends, this is Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous, where we analyze pop culture through the lens of race or gender and sometimes both. On this week's episode, we are going to revisit season one, episode two, where my regular guest, Christina Kay, and I discuss the Netflix original series, Ginny and Georgia, which released in 2021. It is confirmed that there will be a season two. There is no confirmation of when season two will be released. This is one of our very first episodes, so I'm going to warn you, the audio is a little rough, the format's a little rough, but we've grown and we've gotten a lot better since then, but I still feel like the conversation is relevant and valid. It falls within the theme of our third season, which is high school. So without further ado, here we go to the show. Who doesn't want like three super hot dudes? Maybe that's just me to be all like, ooh, googly eyed over Georgia. Like, ugh, pick one. Some of us aren't so lucky. I don't know. No, all of their feelings. Like, I couldn't hurt that many feelings. They're all so nice in their own way. Plus, there's history with Zion. Like, that's kind of a BFD, you know? Okay, okay, okay. Before we really dive into this conversation, we have a really quick message for you. Hey friends, love our show, but hate the commercials? Become a pop culture club member on Patreon for $15 a month to receive ad-free episodes with bonus content, bonus episodes, a virtual meetup to, to discuss movies and television, and so much more. To learn more about how to become one of our Patreon pals, visit popculturemakesmejealous.com or hit the link in our show notes. This portion of the show is brought to you by Tidy Revival. If you find yourself stressed by clutter and want to create simple solutions that are easy to maintain, Carly Adams will teach you exactly what to do in the clutter-free home process course community. Learn the steps she uses with every client and tips to help you think like a home organizer using short, easy steps, plus get personalized accountability and access to the private community for a full year. Check it all out at tidyrevival.com slash pop to learn more. Okay, Christina. I know that you know that I watched Ginny and George real quick. Georgia, Ginny and Georgia. Why do I want to keep saying Ginny and George? Stupid. The point is, because is you know, most shows have like a like a female male name like counter argument, so it's kind of natural. Yeah, I guess. Anyway, so let's let's talk. Let's talk because I got a lot of thoughts. You got a lot of thoughts, and we got a lot of thoughts to talk about. <laughs> thoughts. This thoughts is what she's saying, guys. So, so, so let's just read. Just fucking thoughts. Let's just read. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay, let's recap for everybody. (laughs) Ginny and Georgia. Say thoughts one more time. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to dignify you with that. Um, Thoughts. To to recap. Ginny and Georgia is is a Netflix series that it follows the 
it follows Georgia Miller and her children. Let me pull up IMDb so we can have like an actual summary description. I should have written one, but I was, you know, life's hard. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) I just like the fact that you knew her last name. Like me and you watch shows very differently. (laughs) I don't realize anyone's name until like episode six. And I'm like, still like, wait, is that guy named Hunter? Is that Hunter? (laughs) (laughs) Ginny and Georgia is about um, a mother and daughter duo who Georgia was 15 when she had the kid. Where her first, this is terrible. (laughs) Ginny and Georgia. No, this is perfect. (laughs) Okay, here's the summary off of imdb.com. Ready? (laughs) Ginny Ginny Miller, an angsty 15-year-old, often feels more mature than her 30-year-old mother, the irresistible and dynamic Georgia Miller. I love that there is a television show that exists now and more television shows are doing this, which is great, where the lead character is mixed race. And one yes. of the reasons why I love Ginny so much more than maybe some of the other ones is because I identify so strongly with the black dad, white mom narrative because that's mm-hmm. my that's my family dynamic. There's so many things about like Ginny's relationship with her mom, not the toxic shit because her mom's hella toxic, but like <laughs> but like just the bonding stuff where I'm just like I totally relate to that sort of tone and like feel um, dynamic. Yeah, and then like what I also loved, this is stupid, but what I also loved, so Ginny's dad's name is Zion who is probably one of the hottest men in the show so we didn't get enough of that he is so beautiful beautiful. he better be back for if there's more seasons I want him back I want to yes more yes but I love that he rode a motorcycle because also my dad wrote right rode motorcycles so it was like really quick I'm so sorry Really no, quick though, because we're on the subject of Zion, and he didn't get enough time in the show, so he's going to get Did enough not. time in this goddamn podcast. I love that they also have, they showed his family being the put-together family, yes. and, not, and not Georgia's, because that's just as common as a yes. situation, and that's not portrayed on TV enough. Right. Right. And I I just like that bugs me so much. And I was so happy to see that. Like, I see so many hot mess moms with like dads that really are there and trying their best, but they're portrayed like they're not. Yeah. And I just like that. I I liked that they showed that is all I got to (laughs) say. Yeah, I I agree with you on that. Because one of the things that like I've always struggled with television sometimes is that like my my dad's side of the family was always very polished, very um, um, sophisticated, even though they weren't wealthy. You know what I mean? So like there's yeah. all these things that like I don't see a lot of that represented in pop culture. And that's a struggle for me because it's not representative of my experience, which whatever. Um, I really like that you say polished without being wealthy, because I think that's a, um, I don't know, coming from like a Mexican family, that's such a thing. Like we, we want to, we want to look put together. We want to look like we have, we want to, we want to look white. We want to, we want to look like all the white people, but then you come over and you're like, 
it's all held together by glue and tape. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> but I mean, like, it's just, it's like, it's, it's a facade. Yes, yes. For me, that was really exciting to see somebody, I mean, granted, you know, I'm old enough to be this child's mother, um, but it you're but it it shows me that you're never too old to see yourself in a character when you've never seen yourself in a character before. Oh, that's such a good line. I like that. <laughs> Thanks. I feel like yeah. what's funny. Okay, I will say what's funny about that though is I don't think I think looking like the like the character is important. That's super important. But I I would say that like there's so many times in TV history that I've like watch something where I'm like they get me and it's like they don't look like me at all but they said everything that was in my mind or they said or showed everything that I do or portray and it's like it's that's what's so nice about tv all the different types of dynamics and all the Mm -hmm. different types of skins and people and situations and that's what like they start to like feel like we're starting to tap into now more like more nowadays I was gonna say now more a days more a days (laughs) we're doing it more a days now all right I also wanted to talk about all of Georgia's relationships tap into it what do you want to talk about so like okay so you know I'm a solo mom and I have been for a very very long time so like when her kids are so like please mom, no men this time. It was like, how, like, that's never been the way I've operated as a parent. Like men aren't first. Like I don't have, I haven't had a relationship in a really long time. And like finding that balance between your relationship and your child is interesting. But like, I, it just broke my heart that like her kids were like, that her kids were like, you know, please mom, like not this time, like, let's it just be us this time. Like that just mm-hmm. made me really, really sad. That like, makes they, me like super her kids sad. Didn't, yeah. Like her kids didn't feel like they came, that they were important. Like that's what it made me feel like. I will say I struggle a lot with like, I don't, I know that every single person has their own set of struggles and their own set of capabilities. So I'm not someone that wants to shame anybody. But towards the end of the season, there was like a Georgia said to her friend after not telling her friend that her son was sneaking in the window, like, I feel like a bad mom. And part of me wanted to be like, yeah, homegirl, you made some bad choices as a mom. Like, and I feel like I know that like mom shaming is bad, but we also as a society need to get to a point where like we're helping people so that we feel like we can actually come to them. So we're not like, she has anyone to go to. So she makes all these irrational choices, which tends to make her seem like a bad mom, but she's doing her best in her mind to be the best mom. And she's succeeding in a way. And it's like, how do we, how do we keep seeing this narrative over and over and over? And how do we fix it so that people stop, shutting down and going into survival mode and pushing everyone away and making bad choices instead of just Mm -hmm. going like I need fucking help man how do we break that down for motherhood I feel like that's what it taps into showing no matter what you do as a mom you're gonna be the bad guy in someone's Mm -hmm. eyes at some point because the next generation is always going to be an improved version 
Yeah. And it's interesting that you say survive because like, that's one of the things that I noted when I was watching the show, like Georgia has only been allowed to survive. She's never really been allowed to live. And so anytime anything sort of starts to threaten her survival, she has to go into defense mode and whether or not we agree with how she defends herself, like it makes me think and reflect on all of the times as a parent when I've been in okay, I'm on defense and I have to survive the extremes that she goes to for her survival. On the one hand, we have this concept of like, those things are like fundamentally wrong. We all know that murder is bad and we all know that like abuse is bad. But then when you put it in this gray context of like, she's 15, 28, whatever, trying to survive to make it with her kids so she can still have her kids and love her kids and be with her kids it's not as cut and dry. Like it creates this sort of like conflict, at least within me, where it was like, what would I be willing to do to survive if like my livelihood was threatened in that way? Two, can we just like, when, when Ginny's indignation about like what the little brother's name is, his dad, Austin, Austin and how she was like, did you, I, did you catch it when she was like, Jenny's like, I mailed the letters to Austin's dad. Cause he has a right blah, blah, blah. And G- Georgia was like, did you put our return address on them? I was yep. like, Oh shit. That's going to be, if that doesn't come, if they don't come back for season two, if they come back for season two and then don't bring that up in season two, I'm going to be really disappointed because you know, that's going to be a huge part of why Georgia operates in this level of mystery in her life yes and it's um it's one of those things I guess that always comes full circle too where like you really don't know the whole story you never know somebody's whole stories and you have every right to feel the feelings that you're feeling in that moment those anger that this but you don't have a right to hmm I don't know, make choices about someone else's life. And that's yes. where it gets complicated and gray with parents and children. Because yes. how much do you tell your kid to keep them safe versus how much do you tell them so that they get to grow up knowing? And it's like, obviously, we don't have anything this shit level. But it's like, I constantly weigh that out with my own, like, my own kid. I'm like, hmm. What does he need to know? How much does he need to know? It's it's a constant in every age that they get. You constantly weigh out. You don't realize how much you have to weigh out like the little tiny nuggets of info that they get to know each year more and more. And then it sucks because no matter how you do it, they're going to find out the whole story at some point without, without you being the one to tell them whatever that story is. And it's not going to go well because they're going to have feelings about it. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And it's just, that's the shitty part about being a parent. Just throw that out there. Like if anyone's thinking about being a parent, like just know from here, the second they're born until the day you die, that's all you're thinking about is how do I not hurt my kid? But how do I not hurt my kid down the road by doing something right now? And I yes. that's what Georgia's faced with from the time that she's 15. And when you think about that, at 15, if you were faced with all these giant decisions, could you say that you would have made rational ones? Go- you know, 
Well, and I think too, if you have like a pot, like a healthy support system, you know, I think that also changes the outcome. What I thought was interesting. Nature versus nurture. Yeah. What I thought was interesting was. There's a 50-50 with both. Yeah. What I thought was interesting was um, Zion's parents, the flashback to Zion's parents wanting to like be guardians and all this stuff. And, you know, as a person who had a child super young, like I felt her Georgia's pain when she was, you know, felt threatened that they were going to take her child away in hindsight. Now in hindsight, now it's like, no, they understood better that this is hard. It changes your life. They have very clear understanding of what you are losing, which you don't know that at 15 or 20, you don't know what you're losing at that age. And then, and so they're not saying, Hey, we're going to take your baby away from you. Her parent, his parents were saying, we're going to have guardianship. So that way you can still have the flexibility and freedom of being a teenager while still like you, but yes, you still have the, you know, mom role, but we're going to shoulder the burden. We're going to shoulder that big burden of that legal guardianship. Which again shows how incredible of a family that Zion came from. And like, again, reiterates how great it is that we're showing those kinds of characters on television now. And like that side of the story. And we're also showing the side that like, even if the dad's not there, that does not mean he did not want to be. That does not mean that he's absent. And it does not mean that he's not trying everything to be there. Because I think a lot of the time, um, and I'm not, I don't mean this to offend anyone, but a lot of the time, no matter what you are as a mom, if you're a single mom, you just automatically get a leg up of like, well, you're doing it on your own. So you're doing great type of thing. And the same with like single dad, but it's like, I feel like moms get like a little extra like, oh, well, she had to do all this on her own. But it's like, well, she didn't have to. She had great support in the dad and with the dad's family. And she chose that. And it's like we don't always hear or get to see that side of stories in people's lives, too. Mm -hmm. And that's what's nice that they show that on TV where it's like just stop judgeful situations because you don't know that absent fathers probably not you know or not probably not they just they might not be absent they might not have gotten the fucking choice like right that sucks but it's great that we're finally showing these stories on tv like because i feel like that's also way more common than people think about one of the things that you and i talked about offline that i want to bring into (laughs) this conversation is so Ginny ends up having this boyfriend Hunter who is oh, so yes. adorable and He's just the cute. cutest little guy. Um, He's such a sweetheart. Oh he, my god. All just of his the, little action. His his like kindness and, and love and generosity. Yes, please. Can we make that into a 40-year-old man? So I wanted to recap. Ginny's also got a situation where, you know, there's this boy next door who's su- like, okay, full confession i had to google the boy that plays the boy next door because i was like oh wow he's beautiful oh wow i feel gross and i had to like google to see what year he was born to make sure that i wasn't like we gotta talk about that one day like the age in tv and like how you're allowed to in the age in real life anyway that's a different day yeah that's a whole separate thing but it it, like it like his like the attractiveness was just like this is not appropriate for you to be in high school and that attractive 
so so there's the boy next door then there's the boy at school hunter the boy next door also happens to be going to the school as well so that's like Jen, jenny's little triad so but okay the conversation we had offline and i think it was episode nine eight or nine jenny and hunter have a massive fight and they're basically playing the and they're basically playing the who's got a harder oppression game which is totally like yeah i don't know in your experience christina but in my experience that's totally like a reoccurring theme oh well your life isn't that hard because you look other you don't look black these stereotypes that you know darker women get don't apply to you okay fair i i recognize that i have light skin privilege i understand that and i and i bear responsibility to help uplift voices that are darker than I am. Nothing can be accomplished when you start doing the, my oppression is harder to deal with than your oppression. Yeah. And like, I mean, that that goes to say, I would just say like in arguments in general, like when you're arguing with someone, if you're going to just keep going like, well, I do this or I do that and you do that. Like, yeah. that's just a shitty way to argue. So, yeah. of course, when you talk about oppression or you talk about racism, it's going to because it all feels different because we all have different experiences with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it really hit so, And we can't really understand the other people's because what sucks about racism is certain or some people aren't racist to all types of people. Some are just racist to select types. And Mm -hmm. so sometimes you get selective uh, racism. And so that feels differently versus someone who's racist against everyone where, you know, that you can, me and you might share experiences who, you know, in that sense where I -hmm. have different experiences from you because of our two different, you know, backgrounds. And I think that's where, the arguments are never gonna work yeah and I what was interesting to me about their fight was I totally related to Ginny's frustrations right like she's in this English class I mean I was lucky enough to have English teachers who were like oh you're kind of smart in this area great that's awesome so I didn't experience that in high school but I did experience that sort of level of like oh you're gonna have to catch up and you may not be good enough for this class in college so like So her coming at Hunter with this conversation of like, you know, proving myself being angry, coming across as being an angry black girl, like, oh my God, like it hit so hard. But then what I didn't expect when Hunter was talking about when he goes to Taiwan and how it feels like in America being Taiwanese, he's just Asian. And then when he goes to Taiwan, he thinks that it's going to be, he's going to find peace and comfort in like his people, but then he's treated like he's white and like, I didn't expect to like feel like that was going to be relatable, but it was because like, that's sometimes how it feels when you're like, at least in my experience, when you have this bicultural existence, right? Like, especially when you grow up in a predominantly white area, like we have where it's like, Oh, Oh, you're darker than me. Yeah. So you're not, you're not like me, but then you go into the other end and they're like, Oh, you're light than me but you're not like me so it's like well what am I like then damn it so like his his moment of like it is so like there's no place for me to fit I was like oh my god Hunter I feel that speech so hard 
I, yes. Okay. I say that I feel that as well in the sense of like, depending on what time of the year it is, I will get different comments made towards me and at me because my skin tone changes so much and I can get very, very, very pale. So I look very white depending on the type of makeup I do or how I do my hair or if it's colored a little bit a certain way or whatever. And then in the summertime, or if I've just been outside too much, or, you know, and I just let like Mm -hmm. my naturalness show, it's like, then I get very dark, and I get all these very dark features. And all of a sudden, I'm no longer fitting in with the people that once made me feel like I fit in. Yeah, and I don't know how to explain that to people, because they don't get it. (laughs) And then, you know, and then so it's like, you're constantly feeling like a you constantly feel like a sham in your own body because just, I mean, I will say this till forever. Like in the movie, Selena, Abraham says this and I stuck with me ever since I was a kid. You're never going to be American enough for the Americans and you're never going to be Mexican enough for the Mexicans. You have to be more American than the Americans and you have to be more Mexican than the Mexicans. And it's exhausting. And it's like, that's how you feel as like someone who lives in two different, I don't know, like, I don't even know how to word that, but it just, you constantly are at battle with yourself where you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm white. And you're sitting there and you're like, yeah, I'm white. I do all these white things. And then you're like, that's racist to say that. And then you're like, (laughs) no, I'm Mexican. I do all these Mexican things. And you're like, that's fucking racist to say that. And you're like, I'm racist. And I'm what to myself. And then I'm just sitting here having a, a problem because I'm like, I don't, why is everyone made me feel like shit about me? And yet I'm just sitting here like, can I just have a tortilla and some mac and cheese and y'all can leave me alone and like right. I'll decide for myself what I am? Right. I don't know. When you join our Patreon community, you get access to all episodes, bonus content, invitations to our monthly happy hour, and a weekly drop-in hangout session that feels more like hanging out at a coffee shop. The cost is only $15 a month. When you join, we'll even give you a shout out in one of our episodes. Don't wait. Join us. Become a Pop Culture Club member today. This portion of the episode is brought to you by Pleasant Creative Company. Have you ever experienced analysis paralysis when trying to craft your business's brand? A new kind of brand kit that takes the decision-making off your plate and delivers both strategy and a high-quality visual identity. The brand kit is designed to make branding your biz easy by taking out as many of the agonizing decisions as possible. Here's how it works. You start by taking the archetype brand quiz, which Kelly wrote to be reminiscent of those old 17 magazine quizzes. You remember those, right? Once you finish the quiz, you'll get a link to your suggested archetypes brand kit. This kit contains all the elements you need for a solid brand that reflects your brand's personality. No more pouring over color swatches or trying to find just the right font. If you're ready to get yours, visit pleasantcreative.co today. Listen, friends, you can now show your support for the show by wearing our official apparel. You can find it in our bonfire shop. 
All the styles that are available now are available for a limited time. So you don't want to sleep on these. You want to hurry up, get yourself a shirt or a hoodie or a crop top and rock your pop culture makes me jealous pride. So it's interesting too, that you make that quote from Selena because when, so like, I forget specifically what work it was by W.E.B. Du Bois, um, but he speaks of this double consciousness, like being a black man in America is like having a double consciousness because you have to live in a white world, but you're still like part of this black culture, this black community. When I, when we studied that in college, it really resonated with me because I felt that when you live in sort of this bicultural experience, especially in the, in the States, I can't, I don't know about any other country. I've never lived anywhere else. I've only lived here, but when you live in sort of this like bicultural existence and then you leave your bubble, your family bubble of like, this is where we fit and you go out into the world and then the world's like, "Mm, you don't fit. What are you? And it's just kind of like what, what what do you mean what am I like the list of things that I've been asked is ridiculous and like now as an adult I'm like oh that shit's actually really offensive I wish I had known it's the worst like I wish I had known that that was offensive 25 years ago so I could have been a better advocate for myself but I think but it what's so what's so fabulous or not fabulous What's so fascinating to me is I don't think that when Du Bois wrote that statement, he would, he understood that there would be now generations of people of multifaceted backgrounds who could identify and relate to that statement of that double consciousness. Yes. Yes. That's a, I think that's a great thought. And yeah, I don't know if he realized the impact that he was making by being able to put those words together because yeah, mm-hmm. I understand. I can't understand that at all. That's a very different thing that I will never understand, but I can understand the feeling of having almost two different consciousness, like yeah. two different, like at play, like how do I exist in this space versus this space? Yes. Code switching. That's a thing. And then I think I make people yeah. super uncomfortable sometimes because I'll like kind of get, a little too comfortable in who I am in a situation. And then I start saying things like the other day in a meeting, I was like, Oh, you know, this, this day, this particular day is my birthday. So do not call me before 10 or I'm going to have to take my earrings off. And like, I didn't think about it until (laughs) after the fact that that might make some people uncomfortable. (laughs) What's funny though, is I mean, when you say that, you know what I think of? is my grandma telling me about her sisters in high school tiny little like scrappy Mexican ladies would stick razors in their teased hair and then go fight people so when they would go and like grab grab their their hair their fingers would get cut but my grandma would say that she always make sure she'd take her earrings out and my grandma (laughs) wears like different earrings all the time and so like I just when you think like when you say those words you're probably thinking of your own specific experience I'm thinking a very different one and it's hilarious right? in my head like, right? oh that's so funny <laughs> it's very different like it's a wonderful one yeah <laughs> did you see any of the episode 10 Taylor Swift comment controversy no 
So remember an episode, but I didn't catch it. Okay. So remember in episode 10, Jenny's so upset about, I think it was episode 10 about Georgia getting engaged and like all this stuff. Spoiler. Um, and she's like, you've had more boyfriends than Taylor Swift. So then like, Fast forward, so this, the, the series drops, fast forward a week, and Taylor Swift tweets out, hey, Netflix, way to have, like, a sexist statement, or whatever she specifically says. Oh, okay, yes. Do you yes. remember this? I heard about the drama. I thought it was from a different show, though. So I was so in... bad on that, my part. When that first happened, I was still early in the season in the series. So I was like, I don't, I don't know what, what's happening. Like, where, where is this? Because I haven't heard this yet. What's going on? And then, then I get to episode 10 and I was like, Ooh, got it. Hey, Jenny in Georgia, 2010 called and it wants its lazy, deeply sexist joke back. How about we stop degrading hardworking women by defining this horseshit as funny also netflix after miss americans this outfit doesn't look cute on you heart the heartbreak emoji happy women's history month i guess and so like i had this moment where i was like yeah it it bothers me that people give taylor swift shit about how many people she's dated like i think that's stupid that's so stupid hello like yeah the laundry list of men who have dated and who don't get that kind of um attention right yeah. Um, and then two, I had the yeah. moment, this moment just, of like, let's just, let's just stop giving a shit who dates who, like, let's just, whoever yeah. you want to put in your bed at night is your business and mm-hmm. let's leave it at the door right there. And that's it for everybody. Yes. And women, rabbits, I don't care. Everybody, Everyone. because it's, it's fruitless and it's, it's harmful in the sense of like, if you are not a a heteronormative human, or even just like, if you are not a person who views relationships in the same way, like we've had this conversation before. I don't know if I'll ever be married. I don't know if I want to be married. I like having deep emotional relationships with people, but I also like living alone. And I also know that not every relationship I enter to, whether it's a friendship or romance is going to last a long time. I've had people in my life as friends that I appreciate them and I love them dearly, but our friendship is done. It was only meant to last two years. And same with some people I've dated. Like our relationship lasted six months and that's exactly how long it needed to last. End of story. Like this was not a thing that needed to go longer. We also have to talk about the fact that like that's important for people like in the growth life experience that like these people come in and out of our lives. Yes, some people become pillar life people forever. Once they get there, they don't leave. But 90% of them are just filtering in and out. And we need to stop perpetuating this idea that like one and done, baby. Yes. No, you got to make some mistakes and live your life before you can find someone worth sticking around with. Not everybody is worth being a main character in your life. Some people are only worth two or three chapters and that's needs to be okay. My parents have been married for 50 years and that blows my freaking mind because I'm just, they were so young when they got married that I'm just like, who would you have been? And I think about this for myself too. Like, who would you have been if you hadn't gotten married at 21 and not in like a bad way? Like, I'm not saying they're bad people. Just a thought. Yeah. I will say the older I get, the cooler my mom becomes because growing up, I thought she was a very scary lady. But now I'm like, no, she just kept it very real. 
And it's like she was always really open and like powerful Mm -hmm. with me in the sense of like, you do not need to settle down. You do not need a man. You do not need a person to make you happy. Like you go be a lady, you go live your life, you go do whatever you want. If someone is there and they make you happy, that's wonderful. But like, be you first. Yeah. And then everything else is a bonus. And I was like, okay. And I didn't follow that at all. I still tried to like fall in love a shit ton of times and settle down with all these wrong people. And I, (laughs) you know, ignored it. And then I found the right one. And then I started going, my parents are right. And then I'm like, I don't care if we get married or not. You stuck with me. I really like you. Yeah. Oh, that's sweet. I want somebody to be stuck with me. Who but back to Georgia. Because, yes. because let's talk about that, though, because ugh, I don't even know where I was going with that. So Georgia. Uh, having a bunch of boyfriends or dating or whatever, Georgia is a single mom now. And now she is, spoiler, she's engaged to this guy. What do you think about what he said? I feel like it was very mature of him, but also like a cocky move on his part to um kind of go about it the way he did when he was like well your relationship with Zion was just a thing that's small and you're gonna be with me now like can we just talk about that because I have a lot of feelings about it and like as much as the romantic in me wants to go like hell yeah the like the woman in me wants to go like so when she talks about how zion is his is her penguin penguins are one of my favorite creatures on the planet i love that they mate for life i love that they've had have are very had to be very adaptive in their environment right like birds that don't fly like they're just so fascinating to me so when that came up that zion was her penguin i was like to me as a person who is a penguin appreciator i was like oh shit she's tethered herself to Zion and she doesn't want to be untethered from Zion yeah yeah that's what I feel like too which is why the mayor's speech felt a little aggressive not aggressive but a very persuasive maybe and but also naive because he's not understand like he knows the penguin story like she told him that he like the penguin story and he's still choosing to believe that this is that he is non of no of no consequence of zion is no consequence to georgia like he's still choosing to believe that zion is a small blip in her life that is no longer relevant and having a child does not mean that you're still relevant in someone's life i just need to make that clear no but, but that's she, a, i will hear the is, other thing is i was gonna say like having a child with someone maybe if they're not relevant to your life but they're relevant to your child's life and your child's life is relevant to your, your life so in a way yes, yes Yes, you have to care for like, it sucks to be on my end sometimes, but you, I understand that Taylor has to care about his son's mother. And I wouldn't want it any other way because it's like, yeah, that's the best way to care for our son is Mm -hmm. caring also about what he cares about, which is his family. And uh, to tell someone like, I guess I'm just getting a little too aggressive, but to I'm tell here someone that, like that, here that doesn't it. matter like bugs me it yeah. bugs me when someone just writes people off and writes experiences off because that's not how life is and it's like 
we can't be so tethered to our own egos that we just go like, oh, well, like, because it makes me insecure, like, they're nothing. Like, no, fucking get over your insecurities and accept the fact that people have a place in our life for times and that's okay. And then we can have special feelings for them that linger that just mean that that time was special. It's not that that time still matters, if that makes sense. It just means at that moment in time, it was a good time. Yes. Maybe. Or not always good, but whatever. Yes. No, no, no. I, I don't disagree with you. I have a different perspective. And I think that. Of course. I think that in this scenario, and I'm not coming from personal experience because we both know that I have been a solo mom for a very long time. I think in this scenario with the way that when they portray young Georgia and young Zion, the way that she looks at him I also think that Zion's a little naive in thinking that they that they would be successful together. I think that he doesn't oh, understand sure. that. But I think that Georgia wants to be with Zion, but she knows it won't work. And that's, I think, the biggest difference yes. because she's like, yes. you are just going to lead. We, it's like they both, it's like they both have these big, creative personalities but they can't figure out how to coexist together in that because remember in the flashback too it's more like i would say that georgia knows that i don't know how to word this but the reason it wouldn't work out is because i'm not gonna say that i'm not saying zion's too good for her but the life that zion lived is very different from yes her experience and he might place judgments on her that she would make it would make her feel so shitty and she knows that and so she protects her heart in a way by keeping him at a distance and stopping him like with everyone else just leaving all of it to herself yeah leaving all of that darkness in herself and carrying that burden so that she doesn't feel the actual burden of getting hurt like really hurt by love she burdens all the bridges first yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I'm just thinking and reflecting. Just, are oh you gosh. well? Are you okay? Yes. Okay, big question. Do oh, we no. want a season two? Yes. Yeah, I do want a season because two. Because well. I need to know if Austin's going to get therapy. I love him and the poor kid needs help and I got so angry that she just didn't the kid stabbed a kid yeah and we're just gonna gloss over that I found a lot of things for, uh, there that was problematic how do you feel about so, that can we just so, before we go anywhere what did you think about that whole scenario so I think it's interesting because I think that a mom who did not come from Georgia's background of physical and emotional abuse and having to survive probably maybe would have had the response of like oh that's not okay like baby what's wrong let's get you help the way that Ginny responded whereas Georgia who's literally whose motto is what do we do for like what that person's a bee and what do we do to bees whatever that phrase is yeah so that's her motto so for me I I wanted to be shocked that she wouldn't acknowledge that this is a problem but because of her background and her history and the way that the story was revealed to us in flashbacks it was like 
she probably doesn't see it as a problem because she's probably done similar things herself and we don't know the full extent yet. And it just breaks my heart that Ginny wants to get her brother help and that George is just the block, the block that's like, no, we're not doing this. And it breaks my heart when, whenever children are being more responsible than their parents, Mm -hmm. it always like, no, and I get the fact that like, there's going to be times where my kid's more responsible than me, but I'm just saying like, when you see it, it's so heartbreaking for some reason. And it's because you see their maturity just rise up so quickly and then how quickly it fizzles back down. But it's like, ah, just, it reminds you that they're little people. And I, yeah, that's what makes it so hard is because it's like, yeah, they have all of these capabilities and we don't give them enough credit. And by not giving them enough credit is by not telling them as much as we probably should at times. And that's again, where we come back with not knowing what to do, what's right for your children. But I know <laughs> it's not letting him stab other children. That's for sure. Yes, that. that's what. <laughs> yes. Agreed. I have not been a parent long, but I, I will say that if your kid is harming themselves or others, you need to seek professional help. To me, it was interesting that while Georgia is doing everything she can to like protect her children. The one thing that kept me from like the one thing that I sort of operated in was you can't be a bad kid because if somebody at school says, Oh, this is weird behavior. I think something suspicious is going on at home. That's going to blow up our life. And you can't do that. Even though like, like even though like nothing would bad was happening, even though my home was like, healthy and yeah. you know wonderful and all these things you're saying like on, for, on paper like, I never, you're not I allowed to be a bad kid because on paper I'm a single parent I have two jobs I have yes I have a support system yeah. but there's a big but there's a big but right there's always that big, big but, but. <laughs> big but oh my God, but I like look at her butt. right it's but great. like that and that that didn't apply to parent to, to kids who had two parents in the home or even to divorce like divorced parents. Both parents are present. People at the school didn't know who my child's father was until he showed up to a baseball game one day. I think we were in fourth grade. So, but that, so okay, but that's the thing is like, yeah, I before you said that, I would have never thought about that point of view and I would have never thought about that. So yeah, that is interesting that. She's just so nonchalant about it again. <laughs> yeah, because like it's the teacher just could so have been weird like, on hey. so many points of view that she doesn't yes. want to seek help for Austin because she seems like she does genuinely want to be a good mother. And it seems like that's the most neglecting thing that she's done. And I think that's why it bugs me so much. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, because it doesn't make sense. Maybe, maybe, yeah, like what you're saying, if we get a season two, hopefully we can see why, like, she just kind of didn't want to touch on that. But yeah, it really makes me nervous. Like, yeah, why that's not a thing. Because Austin's a sweet kid and he, and his dad's, and his dad's probably some sort of abusive dirtbag who maybe almost murdered Ginny and Georgia at one point. Like I'm thinking all the worst case scenarios, because why else would you not want Mm -hmm. that person to know where you live? Like the return address thing is like so in the forefront. We have to talk about before we like, I know we got to get off of this soon, but like we have to talk about really quick when Jenny was like flashing back, realizing all this stuff about her mom. 
we slightly touching her? So is it, you know, like, was, are all of these situations, and we, we've already seen the flashback of the first husband, he was a gropey yeah. grope dude, like, they're not good dudes, Yeah. and it's, and I'm not saying, this is where it all gets sticky and gray, I'm not saying what, anything she did was okay, but when you're in the survival mentality, and you remember, I don't know if I told you this thought we got a couple of weeks ago, like, I feel like some people, it's, especially if you have kids way younger, like you kind of get stuck in that mentality, whatever age you had your kid at, that's Mm -hmm. kind of where your brain stops maturing. So let's say she had her at 15. She is forever living with a 15 year old's mindset. So every time she does this, this repeated behavior, it's because that's what 15 year old did to keep herself safe and to keep Jenny safe. And it's worked this long. So why stop now? Why seek right. help now? I guess I'm answering my own fucking question. She doesn't want to seek help because it's worked. <laughs> Look at this is why talk therapy works, guys. You just keep talking till you figure out your own shit. <laughs> well, and I think that she doesn't know how to get help or that she needs it. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, that's a big, <laughs> that's the other part. Most also, like that need help don't realize they need help. And like the mayor might be what forces her. I don't know. But also, did you watch Friday Night Lights? Because that's where he's from. Is that where he's from? That is where he's, he's from, from. A couple of things. Isn't was he not the mayor when the heart calls? Or I don't fucking know. It's another no. no heart it's of like Dixie. A, heart of Dixie. Not the heart of Dixie. It's neither of those. It's one that came out with a name that's like a remake. Of an old Steel Magnolias, Steel Magnolias. Was he not there? Have the been mayor so and, many remakes of Steel Magnolias that I don't know what you're talking about. I'm sorry, Steel Magnolias came out on Netflix sometime in 2020 because I watched it during pandemic time. Wait, it and was a re a remake? So it, it was like a it's a net it's a Netflix series like short series or something. I don't fucking oh, know. Oh, figure uh, that sweet, out. But your Sweet Magnolias. Sweet you're Magnolias. Sweet Magnolias. <laughs> So yes, sorry. I liked that show. I liked that show. He's not on that show. Oh, I thought it was the same guy. Do you hang out with townspeople this much? Why is everyone just so casual with ta- like everyone in town? Like, oh, I don't okay. fucking I know can't... people around town. Girl, you should know. You should know better than to bring that up that with me. True. I can't go. I can't go anywhere. Like, I know. It, but n- thanks to the pandemic, I don't know anybody anymore because you know I was overwhelmingly paranoid about COVID and um commu- and I just in general have a thing about like not contracting a communicable disease. So like, I have no friends left. But prior to the pandemic. <laughs> You know that I that I was that person. Yeah, I just maybe it's the introvert in me, but I just the idea of that many people knowing my name scares the shit out of me. Yeah, they're just gonna what come and say hi to me when I'm out in the cold open like that. Like I'm just trying to pick out yogurt. Please don't talk to me. Listen, I will say that if I'm running errands or in doing stuff that's like maintenance, I don't want to talk to anybody. When I'm no. actively choosing to be social, like this whole face cover situation, we were real sad when it's over because like I really appreciate being able to pretend like I don't recognize somebody and them in return not recognizing me. <laughs> I will say like, I'm going to miss the fact that I just can't 
make stupid faces anymore at people or like, or like, like when I'm wearing my mask and I'm like this working on editing a project I'm like this okay uh yeah <laughs> I get to yeah like what I can't well I can't so do that work, when like, I don't have a mask on it's gonna look weird but then I'll go like get my toilet paper for the week or whatever and it's like I'm just standing in line going like pretending I'm Donnie from the wild thornberries like, blah, 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 like underneath my mask <laughs> trying to get the hair out of my mouth that my mask had yep. on it yep yep oh my gosh I could probably watch Jenny and Georgia again but not in the same way that I watch like Gilmore Girls over and over again I think that it's a little different in terms of like what the takeaways are I agree. I think that television now has more in-depth views and ideas and thoughts. So you can't rewatch it and feel nostalgia. You kind of rewatch it and feel almost like pain again in some ways. That's a really good point. Well, that's our show for you. It gets so dark. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I just meant like TV now is a lot heavier than it used to be. So I don't think we can have, you can't compare it is all I mean. Like Gilmore Girls was made in a time where TV didn't have like their deep thoughts weren't, we're still shallow is all I mean. Like we didn't didn't deep dive into the deepest where, I don't know. Well, I, okay. So that's a whole conversation for another day that we could have your thoughts on Gilmore Girls versus my thoughts on Gilmore Girls. Because, like, I'm basically the age of Rory. And I just watched Gilmore Girls for the first time, like, a couple years ago. <gasps> oh, my God. That's going to be a great conversation. Yeah, remember? I was wa- You are the one that made me watch it. <sighs> that sounds like a really good topic for us to discuss next week. That's our show for you this week. Tune in next week when we discuss Gilmore Girls and our differing opinions about deep in early 2000s versus deep now (laughs) i feel like that was a very pointed statement (laughs) maybe it was maybe you tapped into something i don't know people will have to tune in next time to find out all right i guess we'll see them next time okay and if you want to keep the conversation going with us this week follow us on instagram at pop culture makes me jealous all right I'll see you next time, you weirdo. (laughs) So awkward. Bye! Bye! (laughs) Friends, that was Ginny and Georgia, our very second episode of the podcast ever. Christina has been a frequent guest on this show. You can catch her on episodes like Mean Girls, Easy A, The Family Stone, Soul. We have great conversations with friends in real life. That episode was recorded in March of 2021. So since then, I have watched, rewatched Ginny and Georgia again. When I watched the show a second time, I found Ginny to be a little bit less of a sympathetic character. She kind of drove me crazy a little bit. Her righteous indignation when it came to her mom, you know, we know that teenagers don't have a whole a ton of life experience, but they're also experiencing their first age of enlightenment. So they think they know everything. I thought I knew everything. I thought I was the smartest person in the room when I was 16. <laughs> Joke's on me. I wasn't. 
Anyway, Ginny and Georgia is on Netflix. All episodes are streaming. There's currently only one season. There may be a second season by the end of the year. There's speculation that it'll drop in October of 2022. We don't know. IMDb cannot confirm. Also, I apologize for the faint noise of Nirvana in the background. My child is listening to Nirvana very loudly. And I did everything I could to try and mitigate any of it leaking in to this portion of the show. But also very proud of his music choice. All right, friends. Thanks for tuning in, y'all.